It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders, in hardcover, in paperback, and of course, in audiobook as well. Happy holidays, Stevie. How you doing, kid? Oh, what a great weekend. I was in Tallahassee. It was football, food, family. Football, food, family. Your it was, three it favorite was Fs. Incredible. It yeah. was, uh, just telling our friend Tim here, it, it was uh, everything I worked for, I got. You know, so... Uh, Gratitude. What does that mean? Everything you work for, you got. What does that mean? The so, universe is paying you back in, yeah, in multiples. Yeah, you know, I mean, tenfold. I, I, I put a lot of uh, emphasis on family, you know, on and being a, a great dad, and now mm-hmm. you know have the opportunity to be a grandfather and to be around my boys, watch what they do, what they're passionate about, <laughs> um, was just a treat. We went to both uh, Gator practices. No, remind uh, you, your son is an assistant with the uh, with the Florida Gators. Correct, football, and, my, right? and my older son uh, was who's at Lafayette. Their season, the Patriot League, ends early, earlier than the others. Mm-hmm. So he was able to fly in, and so we had the whole family together. And the respect, the mad respect that my older boy gets hasn't been at the Gators in two years, uh-huh. and a lot of the players he recruited are still there. Well, yeah, because they have fond memories of uh, him. It was great. It's you know, like, hey, Noodle, hey, Noodle. And so I'm turning around my, my younger they think that You think they're talking to you. Was, yeah, right. They, like, they never yeah. met you. They're talking to your boy, but that must make you proud. Oh, so pr- that's what I'm saying. So that and then, you know, being away from Michelle on, on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. was not ideal. Okay. But absence does make your heart what? grow fonder. But, absence makes your heart grow fonder. Yeah. But we want to talk about sports and big-time programs. I said this on the air last week on our show. Uh, there was a lacrosse coach named Dave Yurick. He led Hobart College to 12 or 14 consecutive national championships somewhere. It broke John Wooden's record, most consecutive. And he would say, come on, fellas, every day's a holiday, every meal's a banquet. And like I say, every oh, day above like ground's that. a good day. So when you say, oh, being away from Michelle and thing, every day of your life is Thanksgiving. Was every day is a holiday. Every meal's a banquet. So that one day you're with the boys, that's a good trade, because how often are you with all those boys? Now, very, very, very rarely do I get the two of them together, let alone See what I'm saying? with my grandson. So it was every day's a holiday. Pretty special. Every meal's a bank. Um flying back on Sunday from Tallahassee was not fun. It was <laughs> it was worth it, but when they say it's the most traveled day, uh, it was yeah. insanity. That's why I stay home. It, you know what? And that was home. the trade off. Yeah, I learned a long time but, ago. But you know what? I had a great time. Well, good. Gators won. We're looking for a bowl game, so you know They'll have a bowl game. They'll have a bowl they'll have a good one. They'll, they'll be one uh, either in uh, Tempe or in Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. It'll Bowls. be a good one. It'll be yeah. one of the New Year's Six in all likelihood, right? It'll and then I'm super one. excited uh, to have my friend Tim here today. I was going to ask you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your guest who's here today for episode number 47, which uh, according to our producer, Ken Levicka, it reminds him of Ke- Ta- uh, Tom Glavin. I don't know That's another a, 47. Is there another? There's, there's lots of other 47s. Like who? Like Merton Hanks. Mel Defense. Blount. Yeah, no, Mel Blount. Blount. Wasn't Mel Hanks 47 in the 49ers? I think so. He had a long neck. <laughs> yeah, he had, he, had a, he had that. He used to do the Burt dance, the pigeon dance from Sesame Street. Remember Merton Hanks with the 49ers? Hanks, right. In the 90s, he would well, do the pigeon. Well, his neck would go. Yeah, right, he, yeah. That, long, that long turkey neck. Right. So in studio, president of Making Luck Incorporated. And it sounds already like we're all on the same page. Oh, this guy is. So, so uh, Tim Goring, welcome. Tim Goring, welcome. So, so I will start by saying the way I met Tim 
which I'm a storyteller. I love telling this story. He was at one point in his career the president of Seaside Bank. Mm-hmm. Somebody kept saying to me, you need to meet Tim Goring. You need to meet Tim Goring. He was coming down from Palm Beach. He said, meet me at my Las Olas branch at 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Now, at that time, I wasn't really wearing blazers, and I was sort of a little bit more toned down in my, yeah. Uh, yeah. In my appearance. You were more comfortable and you're casual. This, this guy, man, like 1 o'clock is not lunch. 1 o'clock is not happy hour. It's like I got to get dressed to go to an appointment at 1 mm-hmm. o'clock. Right. Anyway, I walk in <laughs> I, to a beautiful bank, and I sit down with this guy, and literally in three minutes, I knew I, w- I met a friend for life. Really? I, I literally. I mean, we were together two hours, took the jacket off, we, we spent time, and we were connecting the dots right there on the spot. Hey, I know this person, and you should meet that person, and, you know, I got hit somebody in your office, I got Panther tickets that night. Yeah, that was me. It was, oh, was that you? <laughs> you wanted to go to the Panthers yourself. So, so anyway, um, the, the purpose of today's show and why I want him on there is that people ask me all the time, like, hey, you know, you you believe so much in coaching and you're giving so much to other people. Mm-hmm. Where where do you get it back from? I get it back from Tim Goring. Tim Goring, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you with us. Man, good to be here. Go dogs. I, I <laughs> wore my Georgia shirt for you guys. Today wearing your Georgia Bulldog polo yeah. and also yeah. uh, with a scraggly beard. Yeah. Tom Hanks cast away about, uh, I'd say for him, probably about six weeks into the isolation on, the, on that island. But uh, for you, you said you don't grow a full beard. Well, this is the longest it's ever been. But three, it's three, three weeks. November. Okay, yeah, yeah. Three and a half weeks, almost four yeah. weeks now. Yeah. So when you meet Steve, you, you sat down with him. He says he met a friend for life. Did Absolutely. you get the same feeling? Yeah, I really did. It was, it was obvious right from the beginning. We, we broke, both, uh, broke open our Rolodexes and started referring business back and forth, and that's really rare that, uh, that when fast? people are right. competing to give. You know, the givers get. Everybody's heard it. The givers get. But when get. two guys are together both concentrating on giving, it, uh, it almost gets awkward. Well, the universe connects those people. The, the universe connects yeah. those people. The universe finds ways for you to cross paths so you will be in uh, conjunction for synergy to make the lives of others better. To, you know, if you're not going to make yourself rich in the moment, why not help somebody else? Well, well, his story is so great. Uh, military background, really disciplined, trained at Johnson & Johnson. I mean, share more about how you got to where you are and, you know. Yeah, let's, let's reverse engineer yeah, yeah. how we got to making luck incorporated. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, we were the soccer champions in 1984. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. High school here. There you go. And that got me into the Naval Not Academy. That far back. <laughs> Not that far back. Naval Academy, Annapolis. Naval Academy graduate. Yeah. Uh, Marine Corps aviation. After that, fantastic. Had two daughters. Not mm-hmm. compatible with flying helicopters in the Marine Corps. No. So no. I got out. Went to work for J and J. Sold coronary heart stents. And uh, learned that hospitals are where the sick people hang out. So I got hospitals a job are, on Wall the, Street. Yeah. Which is why they get sick. I think. <laughs> And uh, that was a lot of fun. That led me to being the president of the bank and ultimately working for... So you left the hospital where yeah. the sick people were to go to Wall Street where the sicker people were. Sure, yeah. By it, far. It was just right. <laughs> to that, that, that path. You bet. And that led to banking. That led to banking. And uh, ultimately, my last corporate job was running the state of Florida for the Bank of New York Mellon on the sales side. And uh, all we were trying to do is convince everybody to give us everything they work for their entire life forever. So not a very serious sale. No, not at all. Um, a lot of this podcast is about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship and the spirit thereof. And from the blueprint you've given us from not just being on a soccer team, but then going to Naval Academy, which is plebe summer, which is very regimented, which is go our, a Navy beat Army week every year, every week for, you know, the first weekend of December for four years in a row. Sounds very regimented. So when in your life did it shift towards where Steve and you were like, you know what? You can kind of create your own. Because I say it every day. I tell people, they go, oh, you're so lucky. I go, we make our own luck. 
sure. and the name of your company is Making Luck. And I go, yeah. there may be a reason why all of us are here once again, which is strange because it happens about all 10 time. times out of 10, <laughs> but it seems strange. So when did it shift from you with the regimented, with the structured? Because, again, Naval Academy is they tell you what time to wake up, they tell you what time to go to bed. Sure. And, and now here you are, and you say, ah, I'm going to figure this out on my own. What's that shift? Making Luck came to me in 1995 because my older brother, I had an older brother, Steve and I were just lamenting. He was 16 months older than his brother. My brother was 16 months older than me. Oh, boy. And so everything I did was luck, right? If I scored a goal, it was luck. If I got a pretty girl to go out on a date with me, it was luck. And I I, I took that for a long time. And then uh, finally, the internet came out and he said, you need an email address. So I went with Making Luck at Yahoo. And it was really a rub against him. To tell them, hey, man, it's not luck. I'm out there getting rejected more than so you So your are. first email address was makingluck at, at yahoo.com. Yahoo. And that's still, still my address. If you want to get a hold of me, that's, that's where it is. Yeah, For for 23 years now. Wow, has it been that long? Well, 1995, <laughs> yeah. 23 years ago. Coming yeah. up on 24 here, almost a quarter of a century. You got so so the, really, the making luck is more a, a jab at your brother than it is yeah. maybe subscribing to my theory that we create our own. Well, Did you start to believe that we create our own? Well, that was a thing, Josh. At first it was a jab, and then I started believing it. And, uh, and then that? it really it became my mantra. And so when I started this company five years ago, the idea was I need a name. And uh, you know, it just kind of came to me like, wow, this is it's already in my email address, and it is my mantra, and that is sales. But, but the fundamental you know, nature of that, you said to your brothers that, hey, I'm out here getting rejected. I'm doing all the things it takes to be lucky. So fundamentally, the the name from the get-go speaks to the heart and mind of what salespeople deal with all the time. Yeah. Because in every sales organization, there is a body of people looking at the guy at the top going, oh, he's so lucky. Mm -hmm. And that's complete bullshit. And it just, it has nothing to do with luck. There is something that's happened that that person's doing. So. When careful preparation meets opportunity, right? That's yeah. the, the cliche definition of luck, and, and I believe it. Then I believe you can prepare. So when you guys sat down, Steve, immediately you recognized what? And our friend Tim that made you go, you know what? We are going to be friends for life. What was it? So, you know, he brought all of these world experiences together. Being in the Navy and having his, you know, military background, that discipline serves you the rest of your life. Sure does. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. Knowing how to discipline yourself is key to anybody's success. Oh my God, yeah. You know, so he already exhibited that. Then he tells me the story. He went to work at Johnson and Johnson, one of the greatest training programs ever. They take non-salespeople and turn them into salespeople yeah. to some degree. And then here he is in in the banking business, probably the most you know competitive or commoditized business there is. Mm-hmm. And his whole style, his whole demeanor of how he approached the sale or the sales process was so unique to me that we instantly bonded telling unique stories. How? Unique how? Um, Before I get his perspective. I, I will give you an example of one thing he said to me. He goes, hey, you know, and then this to me is like Seinfeld-esque. He said, and I tell this story all the time. I go, he goes, you ever have anybody, like when you say you're going to the movies, they go, oh, you know what, you should go see this movie. Or if you say to them, I'm going to dinner, oh, you should go to this restaurant. Right. He says to people, and he was saying this, you know, to me at the time, he's telling me the story. He goes, quit shooting on me. And I was like, that's a brilliant line because everybody's always telling you what to do. And, you know, you, how do you know better? You've never been up the mountain, you know. So this concept that he created of quit shooting on me, I've repeated the story. It's fascinating. Everywhere I go, people love that and then continue to use it because for some reason, everybody else thinks they should tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. 
and the coulda, woulda, shoulda. And there's no permission to do that. You right. know? So, so instantly his take on normal situations, which is what made Seinfeld so popular, it was just normal situations that he had a take on, Tim has done, and we share that. We, we don't look at buzzwords and theories and, you know, it's real people developing real uh, career skills that, you know, allow them to do what they do better. And so we share this passion, I think, for making people better. And for me, it's an outlet. There's not many people, you're among them, who I can go to and say, you know, freshen me up, man. Mm-hmm. You know, give me, inspire me, give me some stuff, motivate man, me. Because I'm giving me it think. all to everybody else. Right, right. At some point, you got to get give me an aha moment. Give me an aha. We have them regularly, almost once a month. We we try and do it at least once a month, sometimes twice a month, right. with no agenda, just like this, and we just go feed me. So, so to clarify for those that are wondering, Steve was saying, "Shoulda, don't stop shooting on me." Not S H I T, but S H O U D. And it's an old thing. I know they practice it in therapy where they try and explain to people, stop worrying about what you coulda, shoulda, woulda, what they should do for themselves with your control issues, whatnot, because part of that does come in base of, of, of control issue. But it is the idea of when you think about what people should be doing um, or you should be doing, you are manipulating that, that reality, and no one's happy that way. Where did, where did you, I, I guess, adapt this ideal there was a moment in which somebody taught you the idea of stop shooting on yourself or shooting on others you said a great word there a second ago i heard you talk about the therapist and you therapy said explaining right right and i think uh i'm the antithesis of that in sales right quit trying to explain things to people quit trying to convince them right quit trying to justify every objection that they give you and just back it up and abandon the illusion of knowing now they Aban- beat- hold on. Let's pause on that for a second. Yeah, sure. Abandon the illusion of knowing. <laughs> that's right. Let's pause on that. Please elaborate. Let's go. Let's click on that. We're gonna. Cl- that's a clickable link right now. Sure. Abandon the illusion of knowing. Yeah. Stop right. bullshitting. Is that what that means? Well, quit be, uh, bullshitting yourself. If we can say that. On right. That, uh, we yeah, say anything good, we want. Good. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So because uh, and they beat that out of you at the Naval Academy, right. right? When you check in, they say there's only five ways you're allowed to answer my question. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. No, sir. No excuse, sir. I'll find out, sir, or I, I, sir. There's no other. That's it. Yeah, it's straight, right? So don't pretend like you know if you don't know, or that's going to get us killed, right? So they, they beat that out of you, and then and we, I took that into sales, right? Instead of pretending like I know and ex- pretending like I'm right and trying to convince them, I just ask them questions. And if they don't need the product or service that I was selling, then you're done, right? You're so applying that Naval Academy ideal of – don't pretend you know the things you don't know. That's right. Is, is the foundation thereof. Shouldn't be that simple. You know, the guy producing this uh, podcast is co-host on the radio show I do regularly every day. And uh, we have a bit on the, on, the, on the radio. We play a song, Mr. Know-It-All by Kelly Clarkson, because he loves to pretend he knows the answer to things. It's, be- it's, become, it's become comical. Yeah. It's, it's become comical in a sense. But, but you're right, because Steve and I always talk about the Maya Angelou quote that I live by. People forget the things you say and the things you do. But they remember the way you make them feel. And if yeah. somebody to me is a bullshitter, I'll, when I see them across the room, you I may be happy it, to right. see them, but I know they're a bullshitter. And so my heart, they go, hey, I got a great idea for you. I got Immediately I'm thinking this guy's full of it because right. he don't know what he's talking about. Right. right. Better to keep your mouth closed and let them think you're a fool and open it and convince them or you know, whatever the, Lincoln the, said. The funny thing is that that um, is now happening in social media where someone makes an approach to me. 
I know they want to sell me. I know they're disingenuous. Mm -hmm. You know, so whether it's live or now in social media, don't try and connect with me. And then the next email is, oh, by the way, I've got this program that I think it's hilarious. Your credibility is everything, right? I mean, your credibility is everything. And all that adding pressure. Correct. You know, I took, so aviation was my background. I flew airplanes in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. So uh, airplanes fly because of the miracle of flight, basic aerodynamics. Mm -hmm. There's wind going over the wing. Airfoil. Airfoil. So the wind travels a further distance above the wing than the below the wing. Creates lift. So there's lower pressure above Mm -hmm. than below. So that's what the miracle is, right? So relieving pressure makes the airplane fly. Ah. Same thing in sales. Wow. Adding pressure doesn't help. It makes you look like an idiot. Makes you look like an idiot. Yeah. And it makes everybody uncomfortable. Right. (laughs) All you have is your credibility. That's it. And I used to be terrified doing four hours a day, four hours a day, five days a week of open phones, take calls from anyone about anything unscreened. And sometimes they would ask you about something in politics. And the next call would be something about the defensive secondary in Indianapolis with the Colts. And what I learned and told myself was all you got is your credibility. If you don't know, don't pretend like you do. Because there are tens of thousands of people. And so that's why 20 years later, I get to still come and do this for work because I know what I'm talking about. And if I don't, I say, I don't know. That doesn't it's amazing. Happen, that doesn't happen to you often, though. Well, no, you'd be surprised. You. You'd be surprised. Like, well, you know you. what? I'm not sure. Look that up. But, but there's a difference because I'll say I'm not sure. And Ken will go, no, that's it. We're heading into 50 <laughs> shows, my boy. I know. <laughs> you know yeah. Like, no, yeah. I know. But, but that's, that's, that is a new approach. That is a, that is a very unique approach to the idea of selling. And it isn't, don't try harder, be smarter. And if you don't know, Donald Rumsfeld said years ago, you know, there are no known unknowns. You know, knowing what you don't know is more important than what you do know or whatever. And he was like, what do you say? And then you go, oh, I get it now. It's kind of what you're talking about. He was Secretary of Defense, right? Yeah. Once upon a time. I remember it. You have a military background from Naval Academy and and Marine Aviation. Uh, Knowing what you don't know is important to isolate. Crazy important. So I'm, I'm curious to know from you, and we did not talk about this before, what, what do you see the biggest challenges that sales organizations are facing now? I mean, you're out, you're interfacing with, you know, other sales organizations. Um, uh, some people would call us competitors. I, I don't think that's accurate. Our competitor is complacency. Yes. Ooh, right? how about that? Yeah. Woo, another Because one. most people don't prepare. Correct. And as far as I'm concerned, there are two problems in sales. I either... You said or you did something that you shouldn't have done, or you should have said something. Let me back it up. That you failed you either, to. You either did or did not do something that you were supposed to do. Which, <laughs> right. Which, right. What would that mean? <laughs> well, uh, right. so for, for me, it's easy. You, either, you, you need to get in front of enough people. Totally. And then when you get in front of enough people, you need to say the right stuff. And if you say the wrong stuff or you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, it just it breaks down the whole trust barrier. Mm-hmm. And most people in most sales organizations, they try to pretend like it's not both of those, right? If your team is getting in front of enough opportunities every single day or every single week, whatever your sales cycle is, and then they're saying the right stuff when they're there. And you just add that one little piece, that awareness piece. I mean, Josh, I mean, what you just said was brilliant, right? You've been in the business for a long time. And the reason that you were able to keep it going is because you were aware of what you needed to do and what you didn't need to do. And you stopped doing the stuff that you weren't supposed to be doing. And you picked up tips from everywhere you went. Most salespeople are simply not self-aware. Self-awareness is everything. Well, well, I think it's everything. We we just worked with a group where one of the young guys came into an insurance company and they said, hey, listen, call everybody you know and try and sell them insurance. Right. Which is a complete disaster. I said, <laughs> Thankfully, the guy's father is a friend of mine. He calls me up and he says, you got to spend some time with my boy. I said, what's the matter? He goes, 
he's in a place now where he could really damage his career long term. I said, good for you for recognizing that. Wow. I went to him and I said, hey, listen, this is not how what selling is. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you need to get in front of a lot of people. And yes, it's OK to communicate with the people, you know, but it's not to sell them. Clearly not. You know, and my program with him was, hey, you just graduated from Florida State. Why don't you call everybody who's a Florida State grad and just say, hey, I just graduated. Be honest. I just graduated. I'm trying to learn the ropes. You know, in 90 days, that kid exploded. And the sales manager called me. He goes, wow, that was pretty. That was a pretty cool program. Well, you know what? Because he didn't sell anything. He laid the groundwork for getting in front of enough people who then said, hey, you know what? You should talk to my friend who needs insurance or, you know what, maybe I'll think about it. Or, But to go out in the universe today and try and actually sell something right. is, 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 a, is a failed mission. Tim, I say, it every, I say it every week and it makes, it makes Steve cringe. I go, people don't like to be sold. Yeah. And well, he cringes because he's, oh, it's going to hurt our bottom line. No, no, no. Uh, let's talk about what I'm talking about. I was going in a similar direction. Right. If the unaware salesperson thinks that people aren't annoyed by them. Okay, people run from salespeople. Of course they do. Right? Give me some adjectives to describe a salesperson. Right. Slimy. Slick. Right? Weasley. Yeah, right. Slick. That's why when you were a kid and you're like, Mom, what should I be when I grow up? She didn't say a slimy, slick, manipulative salesperson. No. She said be a pilot like Tim. There right? you go. And so the idea. <laughs> go be a pilot like you, Tim is. You need to know that as soon as you say I'm a salesperson or an insurance agent or a financial mm-hmm. advisor. or a, Words matter. Or a lawyer that people are afraid of you. Right. And that, that lack of awareness is what it's all about. So we start with a pattern interrupt that says something like, hey, this may not be for you. Right. And right, let me tell you a story about the people it is for. Here's what they're worried about. They're mm-hmm. worried about leaving their kids with not enough money. Right. Right. They want insurance. If that's not you, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I take the pressure off. See, see, but even he used the words he just used. Because words matter. He, so he used these words, pattern interrupt. Right. That is an unbelievable way to, to describe there is a skit going on. And you have to interrupt the flow of what normal salespeople. Correct. Because the only thing they're doing is la, 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 charging la, straight I, ahead. I want to go straight and, ahead. And, and, Don't and, pay attention to any of the clues. That's, <laughs> right. that's right. It's Listen, all about me. You, you Their know, eyebrows I, are down, dude. They're not interested in this. Every week when I say people don't like to be sold, Noodleberg cringes a little bit. And he gives me a look like, oh, don't, don't say that because I know it makes you cringe a little bit. The reality is, you know how I know that people don't like uh, being sold? Because they change the word salesperson to consultant. To marketing consultant. No, I agree right. with you. That's, and it yeah. used to be used cars. Now they're pre-owned. Right. Because words matter because of how those words make you feel. Salespeople are no longer salespeople. They are now consultants. Sure. They are executive advisors. They are marketing. It's things that sound a lot more because sales is a bad word. Yeah. And if, once you give that equal business stature back to a salesperson, in other words, it's okay to find out what people need and go and get it and bring it to them. That should be a noble cause. That's what a salesperson is supposed to do. But it's been bastardized by those people that don't do it right. Well, well the word um, sales in Scandinavian is actually serve. And that's something. That, that's a fact. Jim just said. That's a fact. So, yeah. so if you have the mentality that you're going to get in front of enough people and tell them or share with them what you do, find out needs and all like that, it seems fairly simple, yet we get mixed up with quotas and agendas and you know, the, the statistics on how poor sales um, organizations are running right now. Mm-hmm. I had this conversation, you know, the other day with somebody who is also in the space, you know, a colleague of mine. We're having this conversation and, you know, training and is, is all, it should be individualized. It's not go to this system or go to that system and we're going to lay a blanket over not one size fits all. It's not one no. size fits all. No. And so the, the ones who are good recognize that 
which I, I know you do, you deal with me differently than you would deal with, you know, anybody else because you've assessed my ability to understand the information, to experience it, know it, and say, yeah, you know what, I've done this, and that burned me when I touched the iron. Well, it goes back to that shooting thing. As soon as you start giving people, as soon as you tell people what you do, mm-hmm. you are you are implying that they need it. Yes. Right? And that's condescending. Mm. So when, it, rather than tell anybody what I do, I tell them what my clients think I do with them. And then they want that. It's All right. The repeat that one more time. You, would your clients think that you do with them? Yeah. Well, if you want to know what you really do, ask your clients, hey, what was the best thing that we accomplished together last year? And they'll tell you those good things. And then when you tell a story to somebody, when they say, what do you do? Instead of telling them what you do. Right. You can say, well, let me tell you. It'd be weird if I told you. Why don't I tell you what my clients say I do? You're removing yourself. Right. I remove myself. Person. Now it's, it's um, you know what the 10th commandment is? And this is not a religious class, but mm. thou shalt not covet. Not to be confused with the seventh one. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Right. You're not even supposed to want their stuff. <laughs> Right. Right. But it doesn't say thou shalt not get other people to covet. So you're not. <laughs> well, if there was 11th, maybe as soon as I tell them this is what other people want from me. Yeah. This is what other people do with me. They want that. It's covetous. So, so he created something really special that is not only for salespeople, but all of his life experiences. And, and I have experienced this um, uh, module, if you will, that he created about conflict resolution. And, and I actually did it with Michelle. And, and it was incredibly powerful because it helps you in every walk of life, especially sales, but certainly your relationships. All, you know, selling is about building relationships and building trust. Mm -hmm. And his take, which I don't know how much you can share in the short time we have, but it would be something I direct my entire audience to, to take and get involved with you on. This conflict resolution that he wrote about, he has a module about it. I think a book is coming out. Yeah, a book's coming out next year. Yeah, I mean, this is his. This is why I hang out with guys like this who can Make produce, you smarter. Who, right, they make me smarter. Right. He made me better. I saw stuff. He opened up my blind side. So if you can share. Well, first let me give credit to the, the people that I stole it from who stole it <laughs> as well, right? But that's what it's all about. Uh, David Sandler, I use the Sandler selling system, which I think is unbelievable. And David Sandler did a lot of work with Dr. Eric Byrne and Dr. Steve Harris and Dr. Steve Cartman. You know, this is back in the 1960s. These aren't new ideas. They just did it from a very clinical perspective. And the idea was relieving pressure. It's the miracle of flight stuff I was talking Mm -hmm. about. And what Dr. Steve Cartman said is there are three doors into every dramatic situation, persecutor, rescuer, and victim. So in sales, when we start trying to tell people they need our stuff, we're asking them to play the victim. So the idea of was just unwind it all and then formulaically give people a way to not victimize everybody else. And it's a big race to be the victim in this world, right? We love it is now. We love being the victim. It is now. Yeah, well that's not new. Well, no, but now on Twitter you see it every uh, freaking day. It's everywhere. Someone's offended constantly. So so continue because I often talk with Steve about the idea of the uh, hostage negotiator and commonality, which yeah. and the idea of, and how you can utilize social media to find out that you went to Georgia, or you like the Bulldogs, or you went to Naval Academy, right. or you played soccer, and commonality, because if you're, I always look for the synergy, because it, people don't like to be sold, yeah. so they're not like, but, but, but what they do like is to be told and informed on something that's useful to them, like the Brightline train that Ken rode today for the first time ever. How many people come up to me and go, I took your advice, I went, it's like flying first class, unbelievable. And I wasn't being paid to say, hey, folks, don't forget to take the, it was a case of, I enjoyed the experience. I shared it with people organically. They recognized the mutual benefit for themselves, and off they went. Yeah, fantastic. 
and off they went. So the idea being that there's components to this. Don't uh, pretend you know things you don't. It's so mirrored. Be aware of the fact that if you're in sales, that people don't like you already. They don't want to be sold. Yeah. And which is a stereotype when, you know, when I ask people you know, the same thing, like when you think of a salesperson, what do you think of? Instantly, they all go to used cars. I mean, that's the number one answer. Such I a brilliant. It's just such a brilliant point. We have aha moments uh, in your book and you look for them constantly, Steve. And obviously on this podcast, it's such a brilliant just moment for you to, to recognize. A majority of people listening to this are in sales and in marketing, and they need to be self-aware of the fact that automatically folks aren't going to like you. Correct. They don't want you selling them something. They don't want to be sold. So, right? Well, and it, it, it's, it really is communication. Sales is communicating your ideas to other people. And I've done this in front of executives. I've done this in front of customer service people. Matter of fact, I did my best audience ever was at the Okeechobee Correctional Institution where I volunteer. And so I talked about, uh, literally talked about conflict resolution in front of 100 inmates. Mm-hmm. Some, of our, some of them, half of them were in there for life. Right. And there were no guards in the room. Right. Right. So <laughs> I thought and yeah, this is going to be why? a fun experiment. <laughs> well, I thought it'd be fun I to know. see. I wanted to test the theories of communicating with people and relieving pressure, you know, because they were they're out on the compound. They've got to make a decision right away. Am I in danger or not? Do I resolve this conflict? Do I avoid this conflict or do I escalate this conflict? There's three options there. And you might want to think about that before the emotions and the physiology associated with the challenge are present there. Mm-hmm. And so that was what we were doing is pre-experiencing it together because your animal instincts say. Well, you say, did that with me and Michelle. Yeah, we same stuff. We broke down this, the, the most simple conversation that we were having where we weren't communicating with each other. We were communicating with ourselves and it kept getting worse. Yeah. And, you know, and all of a sudden you realize you're like, well, that's not really what I meant. You know, well, Does you- any of this rely on the old ideal of I will tell you blank and blank. When you do blank, it makes me feel blank. Is no. any of that a part of this? No, that's a pretty, that. isn't that a pretty simple way? I yeah, that. I, I like that psychology, but it's different than that. It's it's really kind of getting rid of the illusion of knowing. And the idea is I can't imagine how you must feel. Let's talk about it. Ah, uh, OK. Right. So I'm not going to guess at how you feel. No guessing. Instead, let's get at it. Let's get or, at it. you know, for me, you know, just being a vulnerable moment. I always feel the need to play the rescuer. Mm-hmm. And Michelle doesn't want to be rescued. Me too. Right? You know? yeah. uh, she's an A personality. She's got it. She goes, why is it every time I tell you something, you think you have to solve the problem? Right. I just want to share it with you. It's so funny you say that. You know, so it's like, holy shit, this is exactly what happens in sales. 20th year of doing the home team radio show. <laughs> this is the 20th year of me doing this show. And I say constantly to the fellas, I go, guys, when she comes home and she's complaining about her best friend, she's complaining about her job and her boss, just listen, pay attention, and say it's two words. I understand. Right. She don't want advice. She don't want you to solve it. And if you say I never liked your best friend anyway, she's gonna now defend her best friend oh and attack my you. God. Right. So jaw they don't yeah. nobody wants to be rescued. Can I build on that just please, a minute? Please, please. That I understand. It goes everywhere. Well, but, you know, but there's a leap there. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Do you? If you do, if you're genuine. You know, I've worked with veterans with PTSD and what we found out, and I don't know if I have enough time to get into it, but quickly, uh, Two veterans can go through the same experience, the same firefight, and one guy will have PTSD and the other one won't. Sure. And the scary part there is the guy looks at the guy that doesn't have it and he says, man, something's wrong with me. Right. And the guy that, you know, that doesn't have it looks at the other guy and says, what's wrong with him? Right. But what we've realized is that past experiences influence present behavior. So one kid might be re-experiencing the feelings he felt of helplessness in the firefight that he experienced as a six-year-old kid when his dad was beating his mom up. Right. But the other guy 
raised like I was where dad didn't hit mom. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm experiencing these scary feelings for the first time as a full grown functioning adult. Scary. So I don't have PTSD right. and there's guys that went through the same stuff. They do. And it's the same thing. When you say, I understand, you kind of don't understand because mm-hmm. you don't know what their day was like. You don't know who yelled at them. You don't know about but their listen. insecurities. But listen and but learn listen. So and I, ask. So I can't imagine what you must be going through. What's going on? Right. Ask. Well, you can't imagine. Listen right. and that ask. Behavior. You've got to ask. To, to explain that behavior. Uh, the book you said is coming. Coming next year, yeah. Conflict resolution. Okay. Because it's been a fascinating and a fast-moving 32 minutes. Plus. I told you. He's... And there were several aha moments. Like, so I'm leaving once again. Uh, the podcast smarter with new tools in my belt that I didn't have when I walked in the door here 32 minutes ago. What it's all about. I mean, I'm blessed and grateful to have him in my life for the years. And I bounce material off each other and we laugh and Amen. We, which is great. You know, Relieve so. the pressure. It's how the airplane gets and stays the in the air. That's it. Tim Goring, president of uh, Making Luck Incorporated. Thank you for being with us today. We appreciate it. Sincerely. Thanks for having me. Sincerely. Uh, that was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Good I got stuff. more. Bring me back. <laughs> yeah, right. You're going to come back another time through. We'll have another repeat guest. Steve, you ask people all the time, tell me something good as we put a bow on number four, seven, the Tom Glavin edition, if you will, of the podcast. So I know we're coming off of food, family, football. And, but I'm going to let you take it from there. Good. Tell us something good. Here's something good. Um, I, you know what? It's it's not about one day to be grateful. It's about being grateful every day. And so one of the things I would like to remind people is that, you know, we, it, it is celebrated on a day, but it should happen every single day. And when you are grateful, you remove all the other emotions. You cannot be fear. You cannot be scared. You cannot be angry. Be grateful all the time. Amen. And I am every single day for my friends, my family, my health, and that's really good. That's that's tremendous. That's beyond good. Like, like, like I say, if you woke up tomorrow with only what you gave thanks for the night before, what would you have? What would you friends, have? Friends, family, football. Attitude of gratitude is what it's all about. Want to do it again? Want to try for 48? Yeah, man. Let's do it. Let's do that. Let's do that. For Steve Middleberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Woo! So long, everybody.